Hey, this is my second sermon in our series, Born Identity, B-O-R-N, with a wink to the Jason Bourne movies, five to be, in fact, of the matter. And uh, uh, we're looking at uh, who we are and uh, why we have the identity that we have. In the series of Jason Bourne, uh, he spends these five movies trying to figure out his own identity and who he is. You know, I think a lot of us are like that, though, in life. We're trying to figure out who we are. And until we find our identity in Jesus Christ, I mean, we're just lost. So we're exploring the issue of identity because it has a tremendous impact on our behavior. Last week, we considered Moses, who grew up with a false identity as an Egyptian prince. But when he eventually learned his real identity that he was a Hebrew slave and a chosen deliverer for the nation of Israel, it not only changed his life, it changed all of history. And through Moses' example, we saw how that discovering our true identity as followers of Jesus Christ can change our lives as well. Today I want us to consider some of the facts that combine to shape our own identity. Uh, David said this in Psalm 139, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Part of what it means to be wonderfully made is that we have a lot of layers and a lot of dimensions to our own lives. If we're going to become all that God wants us to be, then we have to look at and understand these layers and these dimensions. That's why we're calling this message, Winning with the Hand We're Dealt. Winning with the Hand We're Dealt. And I can honestly tell you, I'm preaching on something really I don't have any idea of because I don't play cards. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid growing up, we couldn't play cards in our house because it was considered sinful. Therefore, when I walk down to my mom and dad's house and I see them with many of you in their kitchen playing cards, I am greatly appalled. <laughs> so here we go. Winning with the hand we're dealt. These are the cards that we have been handed in life. We didn't choose them. I mean, they were just given to us. For example, we didn't choose our parents, <laughs> did we? Huh? Huh? We just got them, man. We didn't choose when and where we were born. We didn't choose our race. We didn't choose our talents or gifts or abilities. In fact, there are a ton of things that make us who we are that we had absolutely no choice in. They are the hand we were dealt in life by God. But the good news is this. The Bible tells us how we can win with the hand we've been given. And what we're going to do this morning is describe these five variables that shape our identity. And then we're going to consider what God says to turn what we've been given into a winning hand. So the first factor that determines our identity is our basic makeup. It's our chemistry, all right? It's our DNA, our genes, our chemical makeup. Now, I spent a whole lot of time last week talking about the fact that God hand-chose Moses' parents 
because they had the exact DNA to make Moses, Moses. Okay? And I made a big deal out of it because God chose your parents because they had the exact DNA to make you. And God wanted you here, right? Because you're important. And so this is our chemical makeup. It's our genes, our DNA. I want to throw Psalm 139, verse 14 on the board. And I want you to read this verse out loud with me, okay? So that means we're going to read in unison, all right? Read it together. Here we go. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So God gave each of us the chemistry that we have that is perfect for us to do what God wants us to do. Now understand this, none of us have a perfect DNA or a perfect chemistry. There are no perfect people. I have a, a philosophy on this. If God made us all Captain Americas and we were all perfect, what in the world would we have to look forward to? Huh? You know what I'm saying? I'm not perfect. None of us are. So we look for perfection in heaven in the day to come. So here we are with our own chemistry, our own identity, our own DNA, and we're just the way we are, man. And all of us are different. Some of you were born with a really low energy level. That's just the way you are. It's not right or it's not wrong. You're just laid back all the time. Yeah? It's the way you're wired, man. Others of you were created with a very high energy level. It's pretty bad when you're a parent and you have a low energy level and you're raising some kids with a high energy level, right? Yeah? I've got a good friend in Oklahoma, man. I mean, he was just wired and born this way. Other friends say about him that he is a chihuahua on steroids. Because right? <laughs> he's bouncing off the walls all the time. But, you know, that's just the way we are. Every one of us in this room has structural weaknesses in our bodies. Some of you have a predisposition for your back to go out. And you have to deal with that in life. It, it, it's not right or wrong. It's just the way it is. Some of us have to wear glasses. It's the way we're wired. It's not right or wrong. It's just part of who we are. Some of us, however, have some chemical deficiencies. And these create emotional problems and even physical problems. For example, if you have a low thyroid, you can exercise all that you want to exercise, and you're still not going to have enough energy. Why? Because you have low thyroid. If you have a calcium deficiency, it means that you're just going to have brittle bones. Some of you are low on a hormone, or maybe you have an iron deficiency. It is going to affect you both, both uh, emotionally and physically. But I want you to understand this. No flaw, no DNA flaw is sinful or shameful. It's just the way we're made. In my physical body, in my biology, in my chemistry, no flaw in us is shameful or sinful. It's just the way God wired us. So the first characteristic that determines our identity is our biology. It's our chemical. It makes you, you. The second thing that makes you, you, are our connections. 
Now, really what I'm talking about here is relationships, but I had to have a C word. <laughs> so I'm saying our connections. Really, to a large degree, we are a product or at least a byproduct of our relationships, especially those relationships we had as children growing up. They may have been healthy or they may have been unhealthy. They may have been good or they may have been bad. But we are a product of our relationships, especially those when we were young. Now, in the second factor, the connections factor, sin plays a huge role. For example, sin disconnects us from God. We are to have a relationship with God, but sin has disconnected us from God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And because of that, we fall short of the glory of God. So sin separates us from God. But this same sin also disconnects us from each other. We can see this in the very first couple, Adam and Eve. You go back and read it. They had a perfect relationship. They were in love. Man, they had no arguments, no fights, no conflict, no disharmony. Everything is going great until sin comes along. And it changes everything. They disobey God and they sinned. And so Adam takes it like a man and he blames his wife. Yeah. God says, what did you do, Adam? And here's what Adam said. Lord, it's that woman you gave me. She gave me this fruit to eat. Notice he's, he's not just blaming Eve. He's also blaming God. God, it's the woman you gave me. He's saying, God, if you hadn't have brought this female into my life, things would be perfect. They'd be great. But you brought this woman into my life. Therefore, God, this is really your fault. And so Adam started this game that we've been really good at perfecting. It's called the blame game. And we've been playing it ever since. Here's what we do. We accuse others and we excuse ourselves. Okay? Don't we? Yes. I'm not going to go on until we all say yes because we've all done that. We accuse others, we, we excuse ourselves. And, and you know what? That's going to affect our relationships. So once Adam and Eve sinned, they not only felt disconnected from God, they also became disconnected from each other. And that's why they sewed clothing out of fig leaves and covered up. And guess what? We've been covering up ever since, yeah. haven't we? We cover up our own shortcomings. We cover up our own defects and our own faults. Why? We don't want to be real with each other. We want to hold back. We want to fake it even with the people that we love because that's what sin does. Sin causes us to cover up. And the result of that is shallow relationships. We have shallow relationships with Almighty God, and we have a shallow relationship with other people. So the first factor that forms our identity is our chemistry. The second factor that makes us us is our connections. But there's a third factor, and I'm going to call this circumstances. These are the things that happen to us and the things that happen around us. Maybe it's not because of our fault these things happen. They're just things that happen out of our control. These things happen to us, they happen around us, and guess what? They shape our identity. 
This is why Romans 8.28 is so powerful. Here's what the Bible says. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Those who are the called according to His purpose. So God can take every circumstance in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and He can use it for your good. Well, that's amazing. So we are a product of the traumas and the troubles that we have in our life. We are a product of the suffering and of the stress and the shock that we face. Problems shape our life. Pressures shape our life. Pain shapes our lives. These are the circumstances of life. If you've ever experienced rejection, that has an effect on your identity. I guarantee it does. If you've ever had a failure or a series of failures, it has affected your identity. So the third factor that shapes our identity are these circumstances. But there's a fourth, and it's a big one. What I'm going to call this one is our own consciousness. Our consciousness is our self-talk, the, the way we talk to ourselves. And guess what? All of you do it, don't you? I just want to know how many of you do it out loud. <laughs> how many of you actually talk to yourself out loud, all right? all right? So we all do it. We all have self-talk. It's what we say to ourselves in our own thought process. It's what we think about ourselves. And I guarantee you, it's going on all the time. And it has a tremendous impact on our lifestyle and who we are and our own identity. I do it. You do it. We all do it. We do it all the time. I try to lift weights five days a week. Okay? I'll go out in the gym. I've got my own little gym at the house. And I'll, I'll, David, I'll bang iron around. And I'll be pumping iron. I'll be working out. And here's the way my thinking goes every time I go out in the gym and I start working out. It goes one of two ways. Either I'll start saying to myself, man, Harmon, you're feeling good today. You're feeling strong. Harmon, you can do it. You, you can do another rep. Just, just go for it, man. You can do another set. You can, you can add 10 pounds to that bar because you're the man. Or my self-talk can go the other way. And I can start saying to myself, oh, I'm really tired. Or I really don't feel like doing this today. Or the truth of the matter, I can say to myself, Will, you're an old man. <laughs> What in the cat hair are you doing out here? You could actually kill yourself. So here's the deal. Whatever I start saying to myself basically determines whether or not I'm going to have a good workout or a bad workout. And we do it all the time. We're talking to ourselves constantly. And what we say to ourselves has a huge impact. We may be saying things like to ourselves, you know, you know what, your, your, your mama was right, you are no good. Your daddy was right, you are worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. You're uncoordinated, you're unattractive, you're a loser, blah, 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 blah. But you know what, when we repeat those things over and over in our mind, it shapes us in a very powerful way. The more times we repeat it, the deeper it gets into our conscience, and it really does begin to shape our own identity. What we think about ourselves becomes 
our identity. It becomes who we are. That's why Proverbs 23, 7 is so important. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think about you becomes you. Oh, that's so good, I need to say it again. What you think about you becomes you, whether it's true or not. You see, here's the sad thing. When you think a thought, it really doesn't have to be true to hurt you. You've just got to believe it. Hmm? So, when you were a kid, if somebody said to you, you know what, you're never going to amount to anything, and you believed it, guess what? About a month ago on Wednesday night, I was preaching, and I, and I used the story of Zig Ziglar. Okay? Great story, Zig Ziglar, motivational speaker. Uh, he was in Dallas uh, one day, and he was going to speak to some inmates in a local jail. And so he took with him a famous Dallas Cowboy football player. His thinking process was, this football player is going to get their attention, then I'll be able to talk to him about Jesus. And so everything was going great. They kind of took a break, and they were just sitting around the table, and Zig Ziglar asked this football player, tell me, wh why did you choose professional football? Why did you become a football player? The guy thought about it before, and he said, you know, I never thought about that, but I guess I'd have to say it's because of my dad. He said, when I was a little bit kid playing peewee football, my dad would tell me all the time, he said, son, you're a great football player. You're going to be a pro one day. And then when I got into junior high, he, he kept affirming me and telling me I was a great football player. And when I got into high school, he would tell me all the time, son, you're going to be a pro player one day. And then I went to college playing football, and he was my number one fan. In fact, my junior year, when I had a really bad season and a, a real bad setback, my dad was right there cheering me on and said, Son, don't dis be discouraged. You're going to make it. You're going to be in the pros someday. He said, You know what? Just thinking back on it, I, I guess I became exactly what my dad said I was going to be. An inmate was sitting there and overheard the conversation, and without hesitation, he said, yeah, me too. Did you get that? Yeah, me too. I'll tell you what. The person who said, I can't, and the person who said, I can, are both right. Henry Ford was right. What does it say, Angie? S say you can, say you can, either way you're right. Huh? That, that's the truth. For as a man thinketh, so is he. That's why we need to be intentional about what we think because our thoughts determine so much about our life. And if we think a thought long enough, we become it. And if we believe it about ourselves, we act it out. So let me tell you something, folks. Your consciousness plays a huge part in forming your identity along with circumstances, connections, and chemistry. But there is a fifth variable. And it, it, it really is so important because this fifth variable really controls all the other variables. And the fifth one is this. Choices. Choices. The Bible says we were created in the image of God. Do you believe that? I believe that. You were created in the image of God. And you know what that means? <laughs> well, it means a lot of stuff. All right. But one thing that it really does mean is that we have free moral choices. Animals can't make moral choices. They have instincts, 
But animals don't know the difference between right and wrong. But you do. You have the capacity to choose. And that's because you were made in the image of God. And we can choose to either do what is right or we can choose to do what is wrong. Really, that freedom of choice is the greatest blessing, isn't it? That's why we call ourselves free will Baptists. We have a choice. What a great blessing it is. But you know what? It's also one of the greatest curses because we make some really bad choices, don't we? We make some stupid choices all the time. We make choices that harm ourselves, that harm our bodies, and harm everybody around us. So freedom of choice is a blessing, but it's also a curse. However, don't stop there. Don't stop there because here's the good news. God says this last one, choices, is a wild card. It's a wild card. It's a wild card because our choices can determine how all these other cards affect us. Are you with me? For example, we didn't get to choose our chemistry, did we? We didn't get to choose our DNA, but we can choose what we do with our bodies. We can choose to make the best of what we've got. For example, we didn't choose our relationships. Not all of them, especially early on. But we can choose how we respond to them, and we can choose some new healthy relationships. Number three, we didn't choose our circumstances. But we certainly can choose how we respond to the things that happen to us in life. We don't control everything that happens to us, but we can control everything that happens in us. And even our own circumstances or consciousness. We can't control what other people said to us. Those old tapes that just are repeated over and over in our mind until we started believing them. But we can choose to stop believing those things we can choose to think differently we can choose a different consciousness we can control our thoughts and ultimately our self-identity is based on choices really that's why the wild card that changes everything else is the choices that you make so with that in mind i want to go back and, and point out five choices that we can make with the hand that we have been dealt in life. And each of these choices has to do with the five primary factors that shape our identity. That first one, remember, was our chemistry, our genes, our DNA, our makeup. So choice number one, we can choose to get healthier. Boy, y'all are as excited as those people at 9 o'clock were. Hmm? Really, it doesn't matter how old you are or what handicap you have in your life, you can, you can get healthier. You can determine that you're going to be the best. I say it this way, I want to be the best me I can be. And you can too. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16, you need to write this one down. Here's what the Bible says. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So that verse right there is telling us that our body, our human vessel, is the temple of God. 
It's where God dwells. In fact, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us. Therefore, we need to make choices that honor our temple because it's where God lives. We make these choices every day. There are things that we can do that will increase our energy, that will make us healthier, that will decrease our stress, and we can do these things every day. Yeah, we can eat better. I have to say that right before lunch, don't I? You can make healthier choices. You can choose to exercise. You can get more sleep. You can reduce the stress in your life. There are all kinds of things that we can do that are totally in our control. So here's the deal. Improving the controllables will reduce the impact of the uncontrollables in our life. Does that make sense? There, there are some things I can never change about my body. If I want to be one inch taller, I, humanly speaking, can't, I can't do that. I can wear taller shoes, but I can't be one inch taller. I have a beautiful sister, two years older than I am. We, are to, we look totally different. Um, she has dark black hair. Her skin is this golden bronze looking skin. She can go out in the sun for an hour and come back just have one of those copper tone tans. Beautiful tan. I go out in the sun for an hour and I come back in. I am red as a beet. Okay? It blisters. Then it peels away and it leaves behind freckles. Huh? My whole life, I wanted to have my sister's skin tone and skin color. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So there are a lot of things that we can't change. But we can change the controllables. We can have more energy than we got right now. Some of you need that, apparently. We can be in better shape. We, we can extend our lives probably by eating right and doing right and exercising and stuff like that. I told you I lift weights five days a week. That's, that's not on purpose. I didn't just choose to do that. It was kind of forced on me. Two years ago in October, I was, I was having some problems, really some physical problems. I'd never felt this way in my life. And, and I got to noticing, and I started listening to them, writing them down. Uh, I, I was tired all the time. About the middle of the day, the bottom would just drop out, and, and I would find myself in my office with my head on my desk asleep because I just ran out of energy, man. It was the wildest thing I'd ever, never experienced that before. I was depressed. For the first time in my life, I truly was depressed. And I couldn't explain it. Everything is great in my life, but, but I was depressed. I didn't have energy. I mean, I, 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 I tried to exercise, but I didn't feel like exercise. I tried to watch what I ate, but I was still gaining weight. And it was, it was frustrating to me. And I had about seven or eight things on a list that were just going on in my body, and I, I couldn't explain so I went to see the doctor about an inner ear infection. And as he was examining me, I said, oh, by the way, doc, explain to me why. And I listed all these things, about seven or eight things. Why are all these things happening to me? Is it just because I'm getting old? Or do I need to go see a vet? <laughs> because I got all different things. <laughs> vet can fix anything, you know. Is it because I'm old? He said, no, Will, it's not because you're old. We need to do some tests. And so sure enough, they did some tests. And, and those, I had some chemical imbalances that they could only correct with medication. But here's what the guy told me. He said, Will, at the time I was, what, 50, 53 years old? He said, Duke, you need to start exercising. 
and you need to watch what you eat and you need to get more rest and you need to take some stress out of your life and it made me mad it honestly did I got I got ticked off at him because nobody had ever told me I needed to exercise or watch what I ate and so I, was, I, I went in denial I really did. I went in denial. So I started taking the medicine that he prescribed, but I didn't exercise. I didn't do anything about it. Why? Because I was in denial. I was mad. And besides that, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> All right? I didn't feel like it. Four months later, though, it's like I woke up. And I said, Harmon, you know what? The doctor was right. If you want to live long enough to watch your kids grow up and maybe one day see some grandkids... If you want to have the energy that you need to have to pastor and lead Kavanaugh Church and be all that you can be in Jesus Christ, you better start exercising. You better start eating better. You need to get some more rest, and you need to take the stress out of your life. And it's not because I really, I do kind of enjoy it now, but you know what? It's not because I want, it's because I was forced, I made that decision though. I made a choice that day. You know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to stick with it. And so for a year and a half, without exception, I exercise four or five days a week. I'm not saying that to ring my own bell. I'm just saying it is a conscious decision that I made because I want to be the best me I can be for God. And to see some grandkids, maybe. I don't know. So number one, we can choose to get healthier. Yeah? I love what Shakespeare said, and I'll go on with this. Shakespeare, the great wise one, said, It is impossible to be a great philosopher with a toothache. Come on, people. That, that is funny. Yeah. It's impossible to be a great philosopher when you got a toothache. And I'll say to you, it is impossible for you to be everything God has called you to be if these pains are going on in your life. So let's get healthier. No, choice number two, we can choose to improve our relationships. I, I love Romans 12, 18. In fact, we're going to throw this one on the board, and you're going to read it out loud with me because I like it when you read with me. Are you ready? Here it goes. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, Christians not only need to read that, we need to flesh that one out, don't we? Now, I understand sometimes it's not possible because there are some pretty disagreeable people out there that don't want to be at peace. But as far as it depends on you, you need to live this way. Here is an intentional choice to make our relationships be the best they can possibly be. And I guarantee you, for all of us, our relationships can improve and they should improve. We can have a better relationship with God than whatever we have right now. Okay? You can have a better relationship with your spouse. Maybe you need to shut up and learn to listen. Or maybe you need to develop some communication skills. But your relationship with your spouse can be better. Your relationship with your family can be better. You just need to work on it. It's a choice that we make. I am going to choose to improve my relationships. There may be some relationships you need to get out of. Because they're dragging you down. 
Here's, here's my big point, and I'll go on. I think the most important thing you can do in terms of relationship is that you develop Christ-centered relationships with other Christians. Your, let me say it like this. Your best friend or friends need to be Christians who share the same core values that you do. That is not to say we can't have friends that are unsaved. In fact, you need some unsaved friends. Jesus was a friend of sinners and publicans. He rubbed shoulders with them. He ate meals with them. It was for the point of redemption. He wanted to pull them close to himself. That's the reason we need to have relationships with non-believers. To lead them to Christ. But your best friend needs to be a fellow believer. You need to work on those relationships. The third choice has to do with our circumstances. The trauma, the pain, the problems, the suffering in life. This is a choice we make. So choice number three, we can choose to trust God no matter what. We can choose to trust God regardless of our circumstances. And that gives us an identity that nobody else is going to have. Remember Romans 8, 28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been the called according to His purpose. This verse reminds us that God wants to use every circumstance in our life to make us more like Jesus Christ. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will praise you no matter what happens. That's out of the Living Bible, of course, but isn't that great? I will praise you no matter what happens. Friends, when we get to that point, we have made a choice. We've made, I'm going to praise God no matter what. And when you can say that, that's confidence. I'm telling you, you've reached a level that most people will never get to. The confidence that, that the world doesn't have. When you reach that level, you become an amazing man of God or an amazing woman of God because most people never get that kind of confidence. I will praise you, Lord, no matter what happens. It's an identity that you're only going to have and get through because of God's grace and His mercy in your life. And then it leads to the fourth choice, number four. We can choose what we think about. You get to choose what you think about. Now, I can't choose what other people say about me or what they even say to me, but I can choose what I allow into my mind and what I think about. Our self-identity is created by our memories. And our memories are created by our mental habits. That is, what we choose to think about. Every time we think a thought, it creates this electric current that goes through our brain. So every time you think a thought, it creates this pattern. You think it again, the pattern gets bigger. You think a thought a thousand times, and there's a rut in your brain. Some of us have built a grand canyon in our brain. Maybe it's a grand canyon of self-doubt because we're always doubting ourselves. Or, Or some of us have a grand canyon of negativity in our mind because we're just negative person people and we say we can't do it. You know what? You don't have to keep living that way. You can change your mind. 
Your mind is not concrete. It is elastic. Our brain can be rewired regardless of what has happened in our past. We can change the way we think. With God's help. That's why I love Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know what that word transform is from in the Greek? It's from a word that means metamorphosis. It's what a cocoon goes through to become a butterfly. So let God take your brain (laughs) through that process. Let God take what you think about from being something ugly to something beautiful. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now if you write stuff down, you might want to write this down. Change your thoughts, you change your life. You change your thoughts, you change your life. How do you change your thoughts? I think it's by putting pebbles of truth in your mind, all right? And I'm not just talking about uh, coming here to church. That's a good thing to do, and I'm sure glad that you're here. But you need to constantly be feeding your mind on the Word of God. You need to read the Word. You need to think about the Word. You need to meditate on the Word. In fact, the Bible itself says, think on these things. And then it lists all kinds of good things that you can think about. Every time you put these pebbles of God's Word on the scales of your mind, it starts tilting to what is good and positive and godly. And all of a sudden, you've changed the way you're living your life because you've changed your thinking process. And you know what? I'll say this. Happiness is a choice. So don't go around blaming everybody else because you're unhappy. You're as happy as you choose to think. (laughs) It's a choice. There's one more choice that we can make. And remember, the fifth card is the wild card. So number five, we can choose Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. Now, when I talk about our Savior, I'm just not talking about Jesus saving us out of hell and getting us a mansion in heaven. That's great, though. I mean, isn't it? It's awesome. I'm not just talking about saving us from our sins and forgiving us of all the bad things and the wrong things that we've done, which is great. (laughs) And if you haven't had that happen to you, I tell you what, you need to settle that today. That's the first thing. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting Jesus not only be your Savior that saves you out of hell into heaven, but also to be the Lord of your life every single day. Because when He is the Lord of your life every day, it changes everything. Because when we choose Jesus as our Savior and Lord every day, we get the power to follow through on these other choices. You see, you can determine that, okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm I'm making a choice to do these things. But you know what? Sheer willpower isn't enough. You can't be the best me that I can be without Jesus in your life. You can't do it without God's power. That's what it means to choose Him, not only as my Savior, but make Him Lord of my life. 
every moment of every day. The Bible says that when someone becomes a Christian, he or she becomes a brand new person. A new life has begun. In fact, the Bible uses this analogy. It's like being born again. It's like starting over. It's like getting a whole new identity. And maybe that's what you need today. You need to become a new person in Jesus Christ. At Kavanaugh, we say it's as simple as A, B, and C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that only Jesus can save you. And C, confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. You know what? That too is a choice. Have you made that choice? Have you asked Jesus into your heart? He changes everything. Amen? So let him in today. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I'm, I'm just telling you, you know what? You can make choices that make you a better person. Through his grace and his power and his strength, you can make the choice to be the best you. God can make you to be. But it all starts when you choose him. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would make the choice to choose you today. And dear Lord, I pray that we would come and make that commitment at the altar. Lord, for those who need to be saved, may they make that decision. May they make that choice. Lord, for those of us who are here in Christians, may we make it our choice to get healthier, to improve our relationships, to trust you no matter what happens in our life. And dear Lord, I pray that we would make it our choice that we are going to only put into our mind good, godly, holy things. That's what we're going to think about. Help us, dear Lord, as we find our identity in you today. For those who just need to come and pray about their own life, their family, this world, whatever it is, Lord, give them freedom to come. Help this to be a healing time, for we ask it in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing.